lesson for this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. Listen now for God's word to you. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you have dismissed your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel and the, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's one of those quintessential human experiences, waiting in line, right? And waiting in line, if you ask me, is torture. And I say that as an incredibly impatient person. Um, I asked Heather this week if she could describe my patience level. And she said, uh, and this is a quote, she said, I don't think you've been patient a moment in your life. <laughs> and you know what? I think she's right. I think if there was an award for the most impatient person, I would at least be somewhere in the running. Uh, patience, waiting is hard. I think even for those of you who have patience. Uh, we wait in line in all sorts of places. One of those places we wait in line is the airport, right? The airport could be described, any airport could be described as we, we hurry up and we wait. We get there early because we don't want to miss our flight. So then we, we wait in line at the TSA. We wait in line at our gate. We wait to get on the plane. We wait for the plane to take off. We wait when we land. We wait to get our baggage. We we wait at the airport. It's a, a human experience. Um, I was at the airport uh, a couple weeks ago now, and uh, I got there, and I was trying to find where I was supposed to go, and, and some guy approached me, and he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Atlanta, and he goes, well, that's the busiest airport in the world. He was really good at the scare taxes. Do you want to buy scare tactics? Do you want to buy a TSA pre-check? Uh, I guess that's a thing they do now. They have people walking around the airport. Did they, did they get you, Beth? No. You did it anyway? Okay. <laughs> yeah, they sell TSA pre-checks. He's like, you're going to Atlanta, the busiest airport in the world. You don't want to get stuck there. 
several years ago now, the executives at the Houston airport were facing a publicity or public relations crisis. Uh, passengers were waiting too long for their bags at the baggage carousel. And so the executives decided to uh, staff the baggage more baggage handlers than normal. And it cut down on the wait time, and it cut down on the complaints as well. But they were still getting an inordinate number of complaints about how long passengers were waiting. And so the executives decided to do a little hands-on observation, and they and they watched, and they noticed that it took the passengers only one minute to get off the plane from their gate to the baggage carousel. It took eight total minutes to get their bag. So they were waiting for 88% of their time after getting off the plane. And so the executives decided to move that gate all the way to the back of the airport. So now passengers were walking six times longer, but the complaints dropped to zero. Just move the goalposts, right? Same thing happened back when, uh, when elevators went on that post-war boom when all the high-rises were being built and elevators were being put into buildings. People were, being, were complaining about how long the elevator wait was to get to their floor. And so they, they started putting in mirrors into the elevator to give people something to do, to check their hair, their makeup, to people watch. What do you know? The complaints dropped down to zero. The reason why is because idle waiting is hard. Idle waiting makes it feel a lot longer. One MIT operations observer or researcher says that we tend to overestimate how long we're waiting when we're doing nothing by like 36%. So we like to have something to do. That's why one of the places we hate to wait the most, the grocery store, right? The lines backing up to where all the grocery aisles start and and so we decided to hop from one line to the next because it looks like it's moving faster. And then what do you know? The line we jumped out of is moving. And we, if we had just stayed put, we would have... I see a lot of laughter. A lot of people have done that recently, right? But that waiting in line at the grocery store has created a whole new industry. All of those candy bars, tabloids, gum that's being sold, it accounts for $5.5 billion a year in revenue for grocery stores annually, because we hate having to wait. We want something to do. It's why it's so exciting when we end up waiting for less time than we expected to wait. It's why dads, like myself, like to try to beat the GPS, the time that we love. I get no bigger high in my life than when I watch that time go backwards. I'm arriving sooner and sooner, and nothing causes me more dread than when I hear, Dad, I got to go to the bathroom. Ugh! I was going to get there early, right? It's why the executives at, at Disney overestimate the wait times for the lines and the lines for their theme park because we get that feeling of elation when we get there faster than we expected to. Waiting is hard. But it's not just the waiting in line at the airport or the grocery store to ride the teacups at Disney World or whatever it might be. Waiting becomes even more hard in those moments where we have a health scare or a potential health scare, and we're waiting on the results, waiting for the doctor to, to figure out what's wrong. That can be the, the hardest kind of waiting. We, we hit refresh on the my chart from Beaumont, hoping to get some sort of answer. Or how about those times when you've 
applied for that dream job. You've been out of work or you're just sick and tired of the job you have and you find that job that comes across online and you apply for it, you interview and they say, we're going to make a decision by the end of the week and now it's the weekend. And your mind starts racing as you're, you're waiting for that answer. Waiting sometimes, I think, is a form of injustice, especially among those that so much of our congregation is serving this morning, among those who are homeless or economically insecure. They, they spend so much of their lives waiting in line for things like their daily bread or for their benefits. I, I remember when I was a student intern in Philadelphia and serving among those who were homeless that they, had, they would serve six meals a week and they set up that space where they serve food, like a dining room. And the volunteers serve sort of as wait staff. They would come to the tables so that way people didn't have to wait in line like they do in every other area of their lives. It's a way of restoring some dignity. And of course, we remember that line from Martin Luther King Jr. that justice too long delayed is justice denied. There are times where waiting can be a form of injustice depending on who's doing the waiting. Or those times where we're waiting for some good to come into our lives. We're waiting for that vacation that we have saved for for months and it's almost here. It's hard to wait. But I think perhaps the hardest kind of waiting is that waiting on God. That waiting for God to respond to us. That space between our silent or spoken or whispered or shouted prayers and the response that God gives us, that waiting can be incredibly painful and difficult. That sort of waiting can cause a crisis of faith. It can, it can lead to despair. That, that waiting for God is where we find our two supporting actors this morning. Uh, we get two this morning, Simeon and Anna, these two elderly people who have spent their entire lives waiting for God, waiting for the promised Messiah to show up in the world, the Messiah, the one who is going to turn the world around, who's going to make the world look as it should and could. They've been spending their entire lives waiting on the promises of God. And now, in the twilight of their lives, they finally get that answer. They finally Behold God's response in the form of Jesus, who is, at this point in the story, only eight days old. There it is. The answer to what they have been longing for, what they have been waiting for. It's an exciting moment, right? They've gotten off the plane finally. They've gotten their baggage. They've, they've gotten through the grocery line. But I wonder what they might tell us about what that wait was like. How did they experience that waiting? Was that waiting a, a source of anxiety, a, a source of stress? Was that waiting something that caused a crisis of faith for them? Did they ever stop and wonder, was God actually going to do what God said God was going to do? I mean, I get the wait, God, but enough with the waiting already. Did they experience that, that time in that way? Or perhaps they experienced waiting very differently. Because not every culture, not every society experiences waiting in the same way. The author Justin Farm, or Jason Farman uh, wrote a book on waiting. Uh, imagine that being the book that you write. Um, 
wonder how long it took him to write that book. Uh, he wrote a book on waiting, and he, he says that in an American culture, with our individualism and our bent on productivity, we tend to view waiting as a negative thing, as somebody taking something from us, taking the most precious resource we have, that of time, not allowing us to be productive, not allowing us to be ourselves. But not every society understands waiting in that way. He says that waiting is viewed differently in places like Japan, for example. In Japan, waiting is seen as a, as a part of being, uh, as a contribution to society. It's a symbol of our interconnectedness. And this is true even in moments of national crisis where the anxiety has a, is at a fever pitch, like following the 2011 earthquake and the meltdown of the, at the Fukushima nuclear power plant. He said that even as people were waiting in line for resources, water, food, clothing, all of those things, there was no riding, there was no pushing, there was no shoving, because they saw that waiting as a symbol of their interconnectedness, that no one else is more important than the other. He also said that in places like Uganda, they will show up an hour early to the bus stop for work so they can sit and talk and communicate with each other, this interconnectedness. Maybe in our society that's bent on productivity and instant gratification, maybe we gain something. Yes, we get to where we want to get to faster. We get through the grocery line faster. We get our bags off the baggage carousel faster. We get to our destination before, as quickly as we possibly can. We gain something. But perhaps we're also losing something with our inability to wait. Perhaps we are losing those moments that breed connection. Connection with neighbors, connections with friends, with one another, connections with God. I read a story this week about a, a taxi driver who uh, showed up to the house where he was picking somebody up and he honked the horn. And a, a few minutes later, it, the person still hadn't come out and he honked the horn again. And he, he thought about leaving because this was the last pickup for the day. He was tired. He wanted to go home. But his better angels got, spoke to him and he got out of the car. He knocked on the door and and from behind the door, he heard a frail elderly voice saying, just a minute. And he heard something heavy being dragged across the floor. And the door opened, and there was a, a woman in her 90s in a, in a print dress and a pillbox hat with a veil, like something out of a 1940s movie. And as he looked into the apartment, he could see that all the furniture was covered, that there were no knickknacks anywhere. All the, the dishes and pictures were put into a cardboard box. And, and the woman said to him, could you carry my bag for me? And which he gladly obliged. And, and he helped her down to his cab. And, and the whole way she was incessantly thanking him for, for helping her to the car. And he brushed it off saying, well, this is, I would do this for my own mother. And they got into the car and, and he said, where do you want to go? And he put in the, put in the address. And, and she said, can we drive through downtown? And he said, that's not the fastest way. And she said, oh, I'm in no hurry. I'm headed to, to hospice. And he looked into the rearview mirror. You could see the, the tears welling up in her eyes. And, and she said, I don't, the doctors say I don't have long to live. I have nobody left. And, and so the, the taxi driver switched off the meter. And he said, what route do you want to take? And so for the next two hours, they drove through the city. They, and taking her to all these various places, they went through the, the neighborhood where she and her husband first lived after they were married. They they passed by a furniture warehouse that used to be a place where she was dancing as a young girl. They, um, and sometimes they would stop and, at a corner, at a building, and she would just stare out into the darkness. 
And so finally, as the sun was starting to crest the horizon, she said, okay, let's, let's go now. And so he drove her to her destination, to this hospice facility, this inauspicious building. And when they got there, the orderlies came out, and they were kind and considerate, and they helped her to the they helped her into a wheelchair and pushed her towards the front. The taxi driver brought the bag out of the trunk and, and brought it with her. And, and uh, she looked at him and said, how much do I owe you? And he said, nothing. And she said, well, you have to make a living. And he said, there'll be other customers. And then without thinking, the taxi driver bent down and gave her the biggest hug he could imagine, held on to her, and she said, thank you. You gave this little old woman a moment of joy. Waiting is hard. To me, it's torture. But think about what waiting can offer. Think about what patience and waiting gave to this taxi driver, this moment of joy with this little woman at the end of her life. Think about what it not only gave to her, but what it gave to him. Yes, waiting is hard. It can be the the hardest thing that we do. Waiting for God can be hard. But think about what floods into your life as you wait. Yes, waiting for those answers on health tests are difficult. But think about the love and the care and the support that is offered to you in those moments, the people who are praying for you. The next time you're waiting at the airport just desperately wanting to get to your destination, think about what your waiting means for somebody else. Somebody else gets to sit and to rest. The next time you're hacked off at the grocery store because the line's just not moving, they should hire more people, you whisper under your breath. Think about what your waiting means. That somebody else is getting their daily bread. They're getting to share in the enough, in God's abundance. Think about the creativity that floods into your life, that, that in, the, in the waiting, in the silence, in the patience, that's when God speaks. I can't tell you how many sermons I've sat down at my computer, tried to force myself to write, and the blinking cursor on the Word document just taunts me. (laughs) But the second I get in the car to go pick up my kids from school, suddenly I have the whole sermon in my head. Or when I'm in the shower or laying in bed, and I can't tell you how many sermons I've written laying in bed when I should be sleeping. It's because in the waiting, in the stillness, in the silence, when God speaks to us. Yes, waiting is hard. Waiting for God is hard. Waiting for God, I think, justifiably causes questions of faith sometimes. And, and I'm sure that it did for Anna and Simeon as well. Even if they experienced waiting in very different ways, waiting is hard. But I also think in that space of waiting is where relationship grows, where trust develops. That where Anna and Simeon could say, yes, God, your promises aren't here yet, but I trust that there's still on the way. Waiting is where that that trust, that relationship develops. Maybe, and I can't believe I'm saying this, maybe waiting is sometimes a gift. Check in with me later when I'm at the drive-thru, really mad that I can't get my Big Mac in five minutes. But maybe sometimes waiting is a gift. Because in the waiting, that's where connection with neighbors, with each other, with God develops. It's where we learn to trust in the God who was, who is, who will always, always be faithful, who always keeps promises to us. Thanks be to God. Amen.